Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we can come and gather together in your presence. Lord, I ask that as I bring the scriptures today, Father, that you would anoint my mouth to bring glory to you. Lord, I know this is a sign and a wonder, but with you, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Let's start with some good news. 1885, state geologist of Pennsylvania warns that the amazing exhibition of oil is only a temporary and vanishing phenomenon, and John Archbold, John D. Rockefeller's partner in Standard Oil, sells some company shares at a discount, fearing that the oil will run out. He is quoted as saying, I will drink every gallon of oil produced west of the Mississippi. 1885. For those of you that can't do math, that was a long time ago. Oil ran out back in 1885. You guys remember that? Here's another fantastic one. Not there yet. 1956, M. King Hubbard, geologist for Shell Oil, says U.S. oil production will likely peak between 1965 and 1970 and decline steadily thereafter. Some of you guys remember waiting in line. Do you remember waiting in line with peak oil? That was awesome, wasn't it? That was neat, neat stuff going on there. And it continues, 1977, when I was born, that was a good year. It was a very good year for having children named Joshua. Anyway, the big freeze was coming. The ice age is coming. Geologists and scientists reach a consensus that the climate was changing and we would have an ice age in 1977. It would be coming forward, and so we had something exciting to look forward to. Here's another uh, Time magazine from 1977. I love this. Why we can't beat the Soviets. In 1977, they were the geniuses and the heroes and the predictors were letting us know why the Soviet Union was going to take over the earth and why we possibly couldn't beat them. And then some more comforting thoughts, how to survive the coming ice age. So that was good. You guys remember this one? Anybody got a generator for sale? Anybody? It's been 16 years. I guess maybe most of us have sold our generators. I personally think that it was a conspiracy between the generator salespeople and the water uh, storage people, and they got together and they're like, man, sales are sour. Let's, let's make something up, and then somebody, anyway, maybe not. Okay, let me continue. All right, here's a, here's a newer one. This is kind of fun. When China rules the world, and the quote there on the beginning, the end of the Western world, dun, 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 dun. Are you guys having fun yet? This is a good one, the population bomb. How many of you guys remember this? This was also in the 70s. Such a cute little picture. While you're reading these words, four people will have died from starvation, most of them children. The Population Bomb, published in 1968, the noted Stanford ecologist Paul R. Elric wrote in the 1970s, the world will undergo famines. Hundreds of millions of people are going to starve to death in the end, and in the, and in the end of affluence, written six years later, he forecast a genuine age of scarcity by 1985. Tremendous news. Are you, you guys do not look encouraged. All right, hang on. But wait, there's more. Now, in this, this book came out. Now, I want to tell you the effect of this book and this, these findings. Uh, India and several of the nations, he actually went to India and he saw people living in India and it freaked him out so bad to see so many people living in a, in a dense area. I, I think he must have been a country fellow or whatnot, but it freaked him out so bad that he wrote this book and said, the population is going, you guys remember the population explosion, the population bomb, and we're going to see so much population on the earth that like, like little, like little, what are those things called that come out of the ocean and they fly and then locusts, like locusts were just going to plummet the earth and eat it all and we're going to die. And so he wrote this book. Now here's what's terrible. We wrote policy based on these findings. And in India, they actually started doing forced 
sterilizations of the people. Women were taken aside, men were taken aside, and they were forced to be sterilized. People started a, a movement called zero population, which meant that you didn't ever add, you needed to make sure that you had only a certain amount of kids. China was already doing it, but they were emboldened in it. In America, people were freaking out because we were all going to have way too many babies, and in fact, if we had too many babies, we wouldn't have enough food, and it was going to cause a horrible, horrible situation. Now, we look at that now, and some of us, actually, by the way, have you noticed it's this, this little thing's coming back again? The population explosion, but here's, here's the good news. The good news, during that same time, a man named Norman Borlaug. He was born in a town of Cresco, Iowa. He is one of only six individuals to have won the Nobel Peace Prize, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and the Congressional Gold Medal. He is also referred to as the father of the Green Revolution. No, not the Green Revolution that we have right now with the electric cars, although I think electric cars are pretty spiffy. No, no, it's much better than that. It was the Green Revolution where he invented a strain of rust and drought-resistant wheat, and he is the only human being at this time who has ever been credited with, and, and rightfully so, having saved a billion people's lives. Here's a quote from this great man as he was giving a talk. He says this, Almost certainly, however... The first essential component of social justice is adequate food for all mankind. Food is the moral right of all who are born into this world. And yet today, 50% of the world's population goes hungry. The good news is, this was a while ago that he gave this talk. Without food, man can live at most but a few weeks. Without it, all the other components of social justice are meaningless. And therefore, I feel that the aforementioned guiding principle must be modified to read. If you desire peace... Cultivate justice, but at the same time, cultivate the fields to produce more bread. Otherwise, there will be no peace. He expounds on this at the end of his lecture. The recognition that hunger and social strife are linked is not new, for it is evidenced by the Old Testament passage. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God. He then, by developing and applying the scientific and technological skills of the 20th century, for the well-being of mankind throughout the world, we will see Isaiah's prophecies come true. Listen to this. This is him speaking. The, de the desert shall rejoice, and the blossom as the rose, and the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty lands of spring water. And he ends with these words, and may these words come true. And then he invented a wheat that was rust and drought resistance in this season, and he gave it away to the world, and he saved a billion people's lives. Now, whose story do you like better? Do you like this fellow here, Mr. Ehrlich? He's got your baby in a bomb. When he says your baby's the bomb, he means it very much differently. That was, I thought that was kind of funny, and I didn't even plan that. Usually I get away, anyway. All right. There's a different difference in perspective here, isn't there? There's a difference in perspective in looking at something very real that is happening, but having a completely different expectation of what the outcome is going to be. I'm not saying that we don't need to solve um, the, the, the very real challenges of what we're going to do in the area of fossil fuels. I'm not saying that we don't need to solve that. We do need to solve that. That's a very real thing. I'm not saying that we don't need to make sure that we continue to find ways to feed the population of the earth, because you know what? We do. We do. But the way that we solve these things, the way that we look at these things is very, very important. Because one man wrote a book that caused forced sterilizations of other innocent people in other nations that was convenient for the people who were in power to oppress the people that weren't. 
and cause them to not be able to have children. And one man said, I think it's a fundamental right that people should be able to eat. And instead of sterilizing them against their will, I'm going to go ahead and feed them and find a way to save them and to rescue them because I believe my God has asked me to do that. And in so doing, he saved a billion people's lives. Now, we can argue and we can talk about it and we need to talk about it and have some good, public, kind, respectful, honest, honorable discourse about how we're going to manage GMOs. But I would say that the billion people who are alive today are pretty glad that we have some. And by the way, no matter what kind of food you eat, you are going to die. You're going to die. I just, you just need to know that. That's for free. I'm hurting people's feelings. I'm sorry. Let's just keep going. Okay, here's another one. This trend sucks. <laughs> this isn't even my quote, but it sounds like me. The shrinking middle class. And so you just see the chart. You know when charts look like this, it's not usually good unless you're a skier, and then you're like, oh, that looks fantastic. So predictions based on the trend from 1970 to 2010 is in 2040, there is going to be a tiny little middle class. It's going to be a tiny little, little middle class. Man. Well, this is interesting. In our, our world in data, University of Oxford, even in 1981, more than 50% of the world population lived in absolute poverty. Did you catch that? 50% of the world in 1981 lived in absolute poverty. This is now about 14%. Hello? That's, you're just still reading the slide. That's really good news. Take a minute and get excited. Only 14% of the world live in absolute poverty right now. Oh my gosh. Only 14% of the world live in absolute poverty right now. Is that amazing? That's amazing. That's amazing news. You're so used to hearing bad news, you actually don't even believe me. You're like, this can't be right. Where'd you find this? On the, internet, on the interweb? This is still a large number of people, but the change is happening incredibly fast for our present world. The data tells us that poverty is now falling more quickly than ever before in world history. The, the, the first of the Millennium Development Goals set by the UN was to have the population living in absolute poverty have have, H-A-L-V-E, not have, not have them do that, but to cut it in half between 1990 and 2015. Rapid economic growth meant that this goal, arguably the most important, was achieved five years ahead of time in 2010. That is phenomenal news. That is phenomenal news. Now, I don't have time to get into why it's hard for us to get excited about that or even to believe it. And I think it's honestly just because of such a barrage of bad news that we're like, if there were good news, I would hear it more often. Well, let me tell you the first bad headline that ever happened. The first bad headline that ever happened was when Satan came into the garden and said to, he was the first news reporter, oh, okay, I take that back. I'm sorry. Um, he, he wasn't. He wasn't. Um, he was the first really bad news reporter. He was the first inquirer news reporter. And he showed up and he said, hey, I got a headline for you, Eve. God's not good. He doesn't care about you. And he's keeping the good stuff from you. And you're not who you think you are. And he's not who you think he is. What do you think of that? And Eve said, oh my gosh, I am hungry. Give me something to eat. And she and, and Adam together ate. Bad news makes you hungry. And you shouldn't eat when you're hearing bad news. Because <laughs> it might be the forbidden fruit. And that is also for free. The point is, the bad news bringer, the accuser of the brethren, has been bringing bad news from day one. It shouldn't surprise you that those who are in the world don't know to focus on the good news. It shouldn't surprise us Okay? There's been bad news. There is bad news. There are bad things happening. But Jesus came, and it says the government of peace was upon his shoulder, and of his increase there would be no end. And we're going from strength to strength and glory to glory until the knowledge of the glory of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. Do you know that you live in those days? 
but we listen to a lot of bad news, and therefore, these trends are the ones that we more believe. We're like, yeah, I don't know about that 14% poverty thing. That sounds kind of crazy, but I definitely believe the middle class is shrinking. Come on, be honest. You guys are so quiet. You're like, where are you going? Let me talk to you about where I'm going. Let me talk to you about what the scripture has to say in the midst of all of this. The scripture says this, do not fret, this is Psalms 37, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and also delight in him. I'm sorry, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He starts out by saying, do not fret. That word fret, wow, that's kind of dark. Can you guys see that? Do not fret. It comes from the word kara, kara. And it means to be hot and furious and to burn and to become angry and be kindled. How many of you guys have seen that, uh, that bumper sticker that says, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention? You guys have seen that, right? It's like, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. You need to be outraged. You need to walk around and be ragey. You to, if you're not ragey, you're not going to change things. But Jesus says in his scripture, don't fret. This is a biblical rendition of what fretting looks like. Ah, I'm here to save the world. I'm going to cause. How dare you one percenters? How dare you big oil? Everybody, I'm mad at everybody. You middle class takers, five percenters. Be angry. Change things. But the Bible says don't fret. He says don't don't fret. It just leads to harm. The Bible says this. Jesus, God says to us, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. He's going to bring it to pass. I love that word commit. Fully, wholly, wholeheartedly. No contingency plan. Commit your way. Commit your life. Commit your everything to the Lord because he's going to bring it to pass. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Listen to this word. What? You want me to what? I was thinking more like, ah, and you want me to rest in the Lord? Seven, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't, ah, because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, the Illuminati, ah! politicians, ah! no, don't fret. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, cease, and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. To who? Your wife, your husband. I'm just so, hey honey, you want to snuggle? The kids are asleep. Maybe just have a little fun. Ah, no. Okay, I got to tell you a story. My daughter outed me so bad the other day. Mercy. Why is Narcy not in church? Anyway, um, yeah, exactly. That's on the podcast. When you hear this later, Mercy, you're so busted. Okay, so Mercy, though, we were talking about different things and growing up and what have you, and Mercy, of course, gets to see me in all of my glory, both good and bad and ugly, mostly ugly. Some good mixed in, though. A little bit of bad. Anyway, she says, she says, we were talking about different people in like little chinks in their armor. And I said, well, Mercy, so like what's one of those things that, that's my deal? And she goes, oh, oh, what's the matter, Dad? Oh, I got the weight of the world on my shoulders. 
And I was like, so busted, so busted. Dad, are you okay? Is something bothering you? Oh, the world's troubles. Oh, oh, the employment rate. Oh, people aren't saved in India. Oh. And I was like, I started laughing because she just had me. I'm fretting. I'm fretting. I'm fretting over stuff that's above my pay grade. And what does this say to me? It says, don't fret. The weight of the world isn't on your shoulders. You're not that important, son. You're significant, but I didn't put the world on you. I'm carrying that business, Atlas, right? But how many of us? Ah, oh, oh. Hey, honey, you want to you wanna just go out for a date? I just can't. I'm too worried. I'm worried about the middle class. It's shrinking. It's getting tight. It's getting tight in here. <laughs> Are you guys awake? I'm having a lot of fun up here. I'm, gonna, I'm going on my own. The Lord says to cease from anger. It only causes harm. The Lord wants us to commit our way to him because he's bringing it to pass. And he says this. Listen. He says, evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they're going to inherit the earth. They're going to inherit the earth. Yet a little while and the wicked will be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it will be no more. But the meek will inherit the earth and will delight themselves in the abundance of peace. What does that mean? It means we do go through hard times, guys. I'm not making fun of the hard times that we go through. Nelson Mandela. How many of you know who Nelson Mandela is? Right? Fantastic leader. United South Africa after apartheid. Spent 27 years in prison before he came out to become president. 27 years, people. 27. That makes me mad just thinking about it. 27 years. But when you look at a united South Africa that's now prospering and the gospel is rushing across the face of South Africa as God is healing the wounds of apartheid, I have to say that God came through on his word. And this man became, he went from being an angry, radical fretter to someone who came in and said, we have to unite the nation. We can't just overrun the white people because of apartheid. We're going to have to heal because these, are, these white people are also still South Africans. And this man united them, but it took 27 years in prison. Yet a little while, the wicked will be no more. But the meek will inherit the earth. Do you remember what Jesus said when he was here? He said, blessed are the meek, for you shall inherit the earth. But we got to wait patiently. And that's hard for us because we see, those, we see those, those bumper stickers. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Go and do something. Go be a part of a cause. Hit a bunch of likes on Facebook. Good job. Be angry. Vague book a little bit. Organize religion. But the Lord says, no, wait patiently. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. I love this. The Lord laughs at him. For he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and they bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy to slay those who are of the upright in conduct. But their sword's going to enter their own heart and their bows will be broken. The little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord is upholding you. He's with you right now in the middle of what you're dealing with. You probably, I know right now, I know right now we just had, we have one baby that's being born. We just had a baby that was born. And we just had two saints that went home. And we're all sitting in the room together. Some of us are mourning and some of us are rejoicing. 
And we're also rejoicing in the midst of our mourning because those saints are present with the Lord and we're jealous. But God is upholding us all. You see, that's why we don't fret. That's why we don't worry. That's why we don't have to get angry because God is the one that's gonna take care of the wicked. Not us. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. We need to figure out a new way to make some grain that makes more bigger yields so that people will know that God loves them. And how does he know? Because they have something to eat. We need to think of a better way to be able to clean water, desalinization, to be able to harness the power of the sun. We've thought of better ways to make our cars more fuel effective. That's a big reason why peak oil is not an issue. We don't get to hear about that. Like, there's just too many cars. Yeah, but those cars go way further than they used to. There are good things happening when we wait on the Lord. He gives us those answers. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I love love this. I, I love that. I love that. My dad, he orders my footsteps. Your dad, he's ordering your footsteps. He is with you. And if you fall down, you ever been walking with your kid with the toddler? Don't you love that? How they just walk, they're just like, they're just floating. I love to run with the toddler. They're like, right? They're just flying. Why? Because you got their hand. Their steps are like this. They're just Woo! Do you remember that feeling as a kid when dad would run with you or mom would run with you or big brother would run with you? Big brother wasn't as funny, he dropped you more. But, but dad and mom, and you're just like, I'm flying! I'm running at an incredible rate. Why? Because he had your hand. And what happened when you tripped? Boof! Nothing, nothing happened when you tripped. You just flew further. You're like, I leapt, I leapt, I can fly. I leapt! Because he upholds you by your hand. You see, dad's doing that with us right now. So when you fall, you're like, God, I fell. I fell and I'm dirty. I'm dirty and I'm down and my deeds are horrible. God, forgive me, I I hate who I am. And he's like, son, what, let me spin you around. I still have your hand. I gotta leave you down there. Junior, Junior, look up. No, Lord, I'm dirty, filthy. No one knows my name. Joshua, your name's Joshua. Oh, who, who, who's got me? Oh, hey, Dad, you never left. Oh, is that? Well, looky there. See, he delights in our way. He delights in you right now. He's delighting in you right now. He knows your way. I love this. He says, this is the, the psalmist. David is speaking. He goes, I've been young, and now I'm old. Now, let me just give props to Red. <laughs> I have a meeting later, and this is going to come up. Let me tell you something. I love this quote. Cormac McCarthy said, It's always good to have a man with many years with you because he's always seen worse. No matter what you go through, he's always seen worse. Red's my man. Every time I'm like, It's going down. (laughs) Ship's going down, Red. Oh, man. He's like, Hey, let me tell you something. Let me tell you about back in 74. I'm like, tell me a story, Red. Pat me on the bottom and put me to bed. This young man don't know nothing. And you know what? He's always seen worse. And your God has always been faithful. And his God is my daddy. Red says, look up. Whose hand has you? And I look up and there's dad. And dad looks down and he goes, I delight in your way, son. Man, you were booking it. Boy, you tripped. I mean, you tripped hard. But I had you. 
but I had you. And that's what he says to us. You tripped. You tripped hard. But you think I'm going to step away from my baby? You think I'm going to let go of you? (laughs) Don't you know who you are? You are my kid. I am never going to let go of you. I am never going to let go of you. Don't fret. Don't worry about it. Don't fret. Don't get angry at those guys. Don't get angry at the person that tripped you. Don't get angry. Yeah, they tripped you. They tripped you. They did. But let me tell you something. I never let go. You are, you are permanent fall proof because your daddy has your hand. Do you, are you guys getting this? This is really good news. This is good news. Now let's continue. Love this. I've been young and now I'm old. And yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Red, have you seen the righteous forsaken? I'm sorry I keep singling you out, but you got to make up for Herb and John now. So have you seen the righteous? Never. And David hasn't either. David hasn't either. And none of us have. Because our daddy never, ever, ever, ever looks away. And he never lets go of our hand. He never lets go of our hand. And I love this. Our daddy, he is ever merciful. No, sorry, this is the righteous. We're like our daddy. We're acting like our daddy when we do this. Okay. The righteous, he's ever merciful in lens. And his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good. And dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice. And what does this say? Say this line for me. Read that to me. What does it say? I didn't hear you. What? And who are you? I don't even know if you guys know who you are. Who are you? You are. You're saints. You are righteous. You are dad's kids. And he never forsakes you. Never. And I love this. They are preserved forever. You are preserved forever. Peak oil, you're going to help solve it. Just like we did back in the 70s. Population explosion. God likes kids. Who do you think wants us to believe that God doesn't want any more kids? Just just think about that for a minute. Who doesn't like kids? It's the devil. It's the devil, guys. The devil doesn't like kids, okay? He's the one that's like, I don't want God having any more kids. They're always crushing my head. I hate those guys. They got big feet. And then the father, even when I do trip them, won't let go of their hand. You're not with me. Okay, for the Lord loves justice. He doesn't forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. You know what? There was a time when Karen and I, it was a horrible time. It was just a horrible time. We were in debt. I I made some mistakes in my life, and then I went back and made them again to make sure they were the right mistakes to not make again. So I've done that, and I'll let you know, they were the right mistakes, don't make them again. Some of those were, I bought a car at 16.5% interest, that was fantastic. The day I drove it off the lot, I owed $2,000 on it, more than it was worth. Yeah! And then I needed a stereo in it, and so I put a stereo in it on credit, not on a credit card, but its own thing, like, oh, they're offering 18 months, same as cash, I'll probably have plenty of time to pay that back since I don't have the money to buy the stereo now, so then I had a stereo payment, there's an old-fashioned term. I had a stereo payment. Maybe some of you in here are like, oh, I, I kind of do too. Anyway, so I had my stereo payment, and then I had a credit card debt because I needed things, and I didn't have money to get them, and I felt like, well, I should have them now. And so we got in debt. 
During that season of time, I started a new job, and, and during that time, we had some of those visa checks. You know, they send you a visa check, and they say, hey, you got really good credit, and we like you, and if you get into trouble and you get an emergency, here's a visa check. And so we're like, oh, that'd be great. I'll take that visa check, and I'll, and I'll hold on to it, and I'll care for it very much, and I will love it, and if I ever need it, it will be there. Well, during this time that I switched jobs so that we could go get out of debt, well, the person who was supposed to pay us didn't pay us for six weeks. We were already living paycheck to paycheck, in case you didn't notice. And during that time, while we're living paycheck to paycheck, they don't pay us for six weeks. So we take one of those visa checks. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this visa check. That's like saying, Lord, if you don't want me to do crack, then when I get there, have the crack dealer be out of crack. That's when you use a visa check. So anyway, I was like, the Lord wants us to use this visa check. So I signed the visa check, and we used it. We were only $50 short on rent. The check bounced because they changed our checking account numbers. And when they do that, that check doesn't work anymore. So it wasn't that we didn't have credit, but that wasn't connected to our new account. So we got called up by our people, and they said to us, you, uh, your check bounced. So we came back, and we said, oh, my gosh, what happened? We told them the experience, and the, the lady's just looking at me like, yeah, sure, uh-huh. And uh, treated me horrible. I felt so dirty. It's like, I can't believe this is happening. And they just, she was just like, whatever. And I go, okay, well, we'll write you a check for the difference. She's like, we don't take checks from you anymore. I was like, what? And they were like, well, I have cash. She's like, we don't take cash. Go get a, go get a what was that thing called? Money order. Go get a money order. So we had to walk to the store, get a money order. I was so defeated. I'm like, God, what is happening? Why are you letting us go through this? And then as soon as we, so, so we did that. So then we had to pay our check with a, I mean, our rent with a money order now. So now we're paying rent with a money order. We move into the new job, which was to do, I'm not going to tell you actually, because I don't want to dishonor anybody. We moved into the new job. We get in. The first thing that happens in the first week is the person that we're working for says, oh, by the way, I can't pay you what I promised. So you have a $600 pay cut. And I'm just like, Lord, where are you? Where are you? I was in the midst of a famine. I was in the midst of, of everything going wrong. But let me tell you what God did in that season. You see, the scripture says, trust in the Lord, wait patiently for him, and he will do it. And you know what he did? In that season, in that season, he saved my marriage. He taught me how to manage my finances. He delivered me from addiction. And he sent me on the path that ended up with me coming here. That season took, it, that, that began an eight-year season of healing and redemption that then brought me here. I wouldn't trade that season for anything. But during that time, I had to trust in the Lord. I had to learn how to stop fretting and say, God, I believe that you'll be with me even in famine. Listen, look at this scripture here. Um, I just want to end on this one. Okay, you know what? When in doubt, check the notes. That's where you prepared. Come on, son. Okay. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors will be destroyed together. The future of the wicked will be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Saints, I want to end with this. We put our trust in the Lord because he's trustworthy. We cease from fretting because we can trust him. Many of us are going through hard times right now. It does happen. There are very real things. We are born into adversity and there are problems for us to solve. You're gonna face famines and you're gonna face troubles. The thing that God wants you to know is that if you trust in him and you cease from anger and wait patiently, 
he will come through. And you'll look back at the times of famine and you will find that in those times, he's doing some of the deepest work in your heart. I want you to understand this, beloved. It's not that God brings hard times on you. No, this life brings hard times on you. But God does a deep work and redeems even the hard times. Let's stand together. I want you to just ask God to begin to bring up in your heart the things where you're fretting. Just take a moment and just let him, just let him, just the area where you're fretting, because you know where it is. It's that area that keeps irritating you. You're just waiting for it to get fixed, and it won't get fixed, and you think, man, if this would just get fixed, I'll stop fretting. No, no. Stop fretting. Eventually, God's going to fix it, and he might let you be part of the solution. All right? So I just want you to take that. I just want you to take it now. You're thinking of it, and I want you to just put it in your hands. Just put it in your hands. And in your own words, you can say it inside of your heart. You can say it with a whisper in your lips. Just give it to the Lord, okay? Just say, Lord, I'm going to stop fretting about this. I trust you. You're going to handle this. You got this. You got this. Just give it to him. All right, now I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for every saint right now who just took that thing. They just took the thing that's causing them to fret. It might be finances. It might be lust. It might be injustice. Whatever it is, Lord, you know. You know. But God, you said that as we put our trust in you, you will bring us the desires of our heart. God, you said that as we put our trust in you, you will bring it to pass. Lord, I know there's a lot of incredible saints in here who care so much about justice and and quality of life, Lord, and they're furious about the, the things that are broken. But Lord, I pray right now you comfort our hearts and remind us that you're bringing those things around and we can help, but that our anger won't help. The wrath of man does not accomplish the righteous requirements of God. So, Lord Jesus, strengthen us, bolster us, bolster us by your Holy Spirit. And, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you because you're going to take care of us. And we praise you, Lord, that you've taken the poverty rate of the earth down from 51% to 14%. And, God, we pray that in our lifetime, we'd see even that go away. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, and we put our trust in you, Lord. Amen. If you need prayer today, if you need to be healed in your body or encouraged I want you to come up. The prayer servant team is coming up, and I want you to please get some prayer today. Let someone else stand with you in that place because God wants to have you agree with someone else and see you get breakthrough. God bless you guys, and thank you for coming today. What an honor to get to be with you and worship.